Hello, everyone. I'm your host, James Jackson, and this is ArtCast. Join me each episode as we shine the spotlight on a category management or shopper insights professional doing compelling work in the trenches. Let's dive right in. I'm here today with Tiffany Hineker, Team Lead Retail Category Management at Lando Lakes, right here in the state of Minnesota. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you in in person. It's really fun when we have somebody in the studio. Um, So as we usually do when we get started, uh, we first love to hear about your your journey, kind of a high-level overview, and then I'll get right into the details after after that. So if if you could start off, and and we'll go from there. Yeah, of course. Sounds great. Um, So a little intro about me and kind of my career. I'm from here in Minnesota. So I studied marketing at Winona State here in southern Minnesota. And post-graduation, I landed a job at Procter & Gamble totally accidentally. And thanks to to help from a friend, Nicole Mueller, um, where she was already working and kind of got a foot in the door for me, and I had really no idea what I was getting myself into at the time. (laughs) And I would say my time at P&G really laid the groundwork for my career in category management. Uh, They do a great job with investing in people and training, and I learned, you know, all the ins and outs of what category management is, and quite honestly, what CPG is. Like, I was reflecting back on this. I don't remember ever learning specifically about, you know, category management or CPG in school. I'm sure we touched on it, but it didn't stand out as like, yes, I really want to go work for a CPG company. Um, So yeah, I had no idea what I was getting into, but had a wonderful experience at P&G. And as I spent a couple years there, they're a large company and they have kind of set processes and procedures and I just wasn't getting the career path that I wanted. And so then I took that opportunity to hop over to the Kellogg company. And so my experience at P&G was more around consumables, um, and this gave me an entry into food um, and that whole industry. And so um, I started on the Target team, and we talked a little bit about this, but like it was in 2011 when PFresh was just rolling out, and it was a fun time to be in food on the Target business. A lot of wins and a lot of fun with that team. And I moved over to the Super Value team after working on Target, Um, got to be in a manager position and got to get exposure to our frozen foods and our health and wellness pharmacy business and more exposure to the broker. So we used more broker resources on the Super Value team than we did with Target. And so that was a great experience. And then, as we all know, here in Minnesota... Super Value then decided to sell off all their banners and become a wholesale business. And then at that time, I took the opportunity to move down to our Walmart team with Kellogg. And that was also just like a whirlwind of a time, relocating my family, um, living down there for three years, roughly, and kind of touching all the different businesses, starting off as the advisor for Health and Wellness Pharmacy. Um, and ending my time there as the senior manager over all of our snacks category managers. 
um, which was a blast. And then just got to a point personally where I wanted to get back to Minnesota. And so I started seeking out Minnesota-based companies. I loved working for Kellogg. I still, you know, I think of them all very fondly. And just Michigan was not in the cards. I convinced my husband to move to Arkansas and Michigan was just like not going to happen. So the path back to Minnesota was through Lando Lakes. And so I've spent uh, time learning the dairy business. It's more commodity driven at Lando Lakes um, in terms of butter and cheese. And so it's, it definitely was a lot to learn. And since I've been here, I've also spent time on the food service business with a category captaincy at Cisco. And then now uh, I sit as the team lead of all of retail category management and data governance. So that's just a quick rundown of my history. <laughs> That's just a little bit. Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thanks for walking through that. I, I do want to touch on a couple of experiences that you ticked off yeah. in, in much more detail. So if you're ready, let's get in the trenches. Let's do it. Let's get in the trenches. All right. So I, I think you were the first person that I've had on our cast that started their career in category management or shopper insights. And you kind of talked about it a little, but what I what I want to understand is when you saw the posting or when you heard about the job, what what did it mean to you? What what compelled you to actually say yes to taking the role? Yeah, I mean, I would say honestly it was totally by accident. I went to school for marketing. Um I didn't explicitly like seek out category management. Um, but I needed an entry-level analyst-type role. Um, and I've always been sort of analytical. Like, that always comes up okay. in my <laughs> personality trait stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I just I landed the interview truly, like, help from a friend. And it just kind of grew from there. And it's interesting because I didn't intentionally stay in the category management lane yeah. the whole time. It's just been, like... I've been rewarded for good work and thought leadership, and it's just kind of unintentionally been the path. And I've enjoyed it. It's, you know, it's a strength and I like it. Um, I've, of course, like explored going into sales or marketing or other areas. And I certainly work closely with those in the cross-functional teams. It just unintentionally has never happened. <laughs> I, I will tell you, for me, I've been in category management, I don't know, 20, 25 years. It kind of at some point runs in your veins, right? Yeah. You, you just you're a category manager. You're a shopper insights person. And and I've kind of done the same thing where, you know, maybe I want to do something differently. And before you know it, you're back in <laughs> category management. Yeah. So so I, I love that. Um, and, and so you had the experience with P&G. Um, really got to understand category management. But then you did mention something and I, I want to, we want to learn more. And, and so a lot of people obviously are familiar with Target. Mm -hmm. And specifically, I think, especially here in Minnesota, we remember when PFresh started rolling out. And, and you said it was a fun time. So, but, but what does that mean, a fun time? What happened? What did you do? How was your experience? Sure, yeah. I would say, okay, so I joined the Target team on the cereal business, and we had gained captaincy from General Mills. So that in itself is fun. Um, and I think retailers do a good job of kind of 
you know, switching after so many years between Kellogg and General Mills or some of the others, you don't get entrenched too much in terms of category leadership with one company or another. Um, And so that was fun. But just as they were expanding food, we were able to influence the points of distribution and planograms in a way that was favorable to the business and to Kellogg. And I just remember having wins and just as a team having fun. You know, we were doing hard work and getting through tons of planogram versions and lots of deep analytics, but it was all positive. So it was was a fun time for sure. Positive is good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So so you you do that um, with P&G. And then you you mentioned Kellogg was a really good experience for you. If I'm right, your first kind of venture into working with Kellogg was moving down to Bentonville. Mm-hmm. Um, so you go from Target to Walmart. I mean, my goodness. But can you talk about that experience? Um, because a lot of people understand that Walmart is kind of one of the big dogs and, mm-hmm. and you know, that's a, a different environment down there, a different ask. But they haven't experienced it live. I have mm-hmm. not experienced it live. So what what is it like working with Walmart? Yeah. So a couple of things come to mind. One is that Walmart is tough. Like they demand a lot of the manufacturers and um, it's an important customer to all the manufacturers as well. So a lot of times you're meeting the demands of what they're asking for. Um, the other piece that was kind of unique, I would say, is so I had a mix of like category captaincy and cap- category validator type roles. So in some categories, we were the leader and some that we were second. And in those ones where we were second, kind of trying to influence when someone else is the captain was really tough. Um, So I feel like we we definitely got wins and we were able to influence, but it was really an uphill battle at times. Um, And I remember meeting like with us and General Mills in the room together with the buyer, both having like our decks ready to go. And just that time was high stress. Like you want to have your stuff together, obviously, because you have someone who's going to call you out in the room and in the meeting if it's not exactly correct. And so I remember it as stressful times, but fun too. You know, like it's it's a collaborative experience. Um, and some, like you said, something like I haven't had anywhere else. And just... The other thing I would say as I reflect on my time with Walmart is it really is a community down there, right? Like everybody has, for the most part, relocated there. I mean, not everybody, but for anybody that you're interacting with, even, you know, in the neighborhood that I lived in, just a lot of people had relocated there and they're so welcoming. Like Mm -hmm. we had a really positive experience. We had young kids at the time. Um, and we had a great experience down there. It's really a community. And Walmart invests back into the community, too, just like children's museums and schools. And they do a great job of putting money right back into the community where everybody lives. And so it's super unique. Um and it's grown so much <laughs> since. So I've been back in Minnesota for seven years now, and my husband still uh, works remote and drives down to Arkansas like once every six weeks or so. And just the I've gone down a couple of times, but yeah, he just articulates how much it's changed as well in the last seven years. We were down there a year ago, or actually last fall, for our Mix and Mingle event. 
and we were hearing like the housing prices have <laughs> skyrocketed. So I'm glad you talked about that because especially, you know, people understand that Walmart might be a really good opportunity, yeah. but there is the question about the lifestyle and, and, and what happens down there from a community standpoint. Totally. So that that's helpful to understand. So, so you're working with Walmart and I, w- one thing that I noticed, it was in your profile and I'm a huge advocate of clustering. And you, you talk about the fact that you know, with diet, diet and active nutrition, that was the first time clustering was ever done in those categories at Walmart. So can you share, I guess, one, how did it come about that clustering was something that was that needed to happen and did happen? And then maybe what was the process around that? Sure. So um it was a combination of like planogram clustering and this whole like signage project were kind of like the two big things happening um, when I was the captain down there. And I would say it was all driven by like shopper insights, mm-hmm. if you will, um, and store performance. So the there's basically like two categories that make up one. So active nutrition is more about like building muscle versus the weight loss portion of it more of like the health and wellness side so like um two totally different consumers but usually one set if you walked to walmart today you'd see it as two kind of different sets but at the time kind of mixing those two together um and you have different profiles that are shopping and so you'd have stores that are heavier towards that active nutrition muscle building set versus the different stores that were heavier in weight loss um i think it was a combination of both like Kellogg's expertise and the tools they invested in kind of brought forward a point of view that the buyer hadn't seen before. And so we were able to influence Um, our investment in the shopper insight side as well helped us identify that signage was necessary to convert more shoppers. So not only like navigational signage to help people understand like what of this is muscle building or for energy versus what of this is for weight loss. Um, so navigational, but then educational, because even within that, you know, muscle building or energy side, there's different supplements for different reasons and not everybody knows. And sometimes, right. you know, if you do your research on the Internet, even today, you can get conflicting information. Um, and so how do you create both educational and directional signage to help people shop and convert more shoppers? I I, I really like the fact that you brought up the shopper insights portion of that and because you know the shopper insight portion goes so hand in hand with category management and which led to activation yeah and so i think that is that's the ultimate (laughs) when it comes to category management to have all that at play um so so you're doing this work at walmart you're you're with kellogg and you mentioned okay you know michigan was not in the cards so we head back to minnesota um, and you make a couple of different changes. So one, yeah. you go from kind of center store, food, consumable background to dairy. <laughs> um, yeah. You also are dealing with distributors and, and so on. And, and, and then I, I even think you at some point were working with Amazon. So a very, very different dynamic. So can you share a little bit about your transition, because that's a mindset transition, that's a skill set transition, custom, all rolled into one. Yeah. So can can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, 
as you can imagine, the brands are very different. So what you might see with Pop-Tarts and Pringles is going to be drastically different from a brand and shopper activation that you're going to see for cheese and butter. Um, So I feel like a couple of things come to mind there. One is just learning the commodity side of the business. So knowing that the CME, which is the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, um, they trade butter and cheese daily. And the prices that uh, the product is sold on the market affect what the shelf price is. Yeah. Um, so I'd never been in an environment where we had markets dictating the price on such a frequent, you know, such a frequency. When you're in center store, you're making price adjustments, but it's much fewer um, as you have a number of inputs versus something like butter, which is like got one input and it's milk. <laughs> So um, just understanding that pricing side of it um, along those lines of commodity is understanding the role that private label plays because things like butter and cheese have a standard of identity that's dictated by the government. And so what you can call butter has parameters and you and there's not drastic differences in the product. And so how do you show value in your brand is something that I learned. Um, And then the third is just like the farmer story, right? So Land O'Lakes is a privately held company. We're a farmer owned co-op. We're owned by all of our farmers. And so that comes with just a lot of different things as well. Like there are board of directors, they're helping us make decisions. And so being that true farm to fork company was drastically different than working for two larger companies that are on the New York Stock Exchange. So (laughs) just a lot of change, yes. I I remember at Super Value, the the dairy folks, like I think they changed their prices weekly on butter and, and just watching that market. Yeah. And especially when it, you know, are we first movers or fast followers and all those different things that came into it? Um, I didn't have to yeah. do it, but I definitely <laughs> yeah. watched it. Yeah. Uh, so, so you're doing all this. So you, you make this transition, you're learning a new deal and, and you, you do it for a couple of years. And all of a sudden, I guess you're bored <laughs> and you decide that you want to dip your toe into food service. Um, and specifically Cisco, and I have an experience with Cisco as well in their category captaincy program. Um, very, very new for the industry to open up data and, and, and really share and, and, and try and have an alignment from that standpoint. Can you talk about, you know, what did you run into when you went down to Cisco and, and how were you able to accomplish what you accomplished during that, that stint? Yeah. I mean, I would agree that data is newer, probably not as new within Cisco, um, but yes, definitely different. So they tapped me to try the food service rotation, knowing that I had transferable skills and that retail is further along than food service on the Catman side of it. Um, And so... Yeah, Cisco was fun. I would say so a couple of things. One is that I always tell people that retail is kind of grooved and you have a playbook, right? And you follow the playbook and most retailers have a very set process that they go through for category resets and you just kind of follow and you might be able to delve off the plan here or there, but for the most part you follow that playbook. 
and food service, there is a playbook, but there's only a few pages. So <laughs> you have a lot more liberty and creativity and you're really like selling the food, romancing the food. You're working with chefs, right? Like yeah. we have corporate chefs at Lando Lakes that will go on calls with us to the distributors to sell chef to chef. Um, and so I would say I ate a lot more food and I had just very different data sets and bringing those principles along with, um, but yeah, very different and fun. Um, and I would say Cisco at the time that I was calling it on them had a, had some turnover within their category management group. So the director of Catman over there had left and they were trying to figure out who they were going to be Catman 2.0, if you will. Um, so yeah, I was able to influence a lot, use data with them. And they were also bringing along their buyers to this process as well. So you could tell when they went through training and they were ready to talk more about the numbers. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was interesting. I you, learned a ton. You bring back memories. I, <laughs> I worked with them for five years down there. So, yeah, Miss Houston. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So we'll, we're coming to kind of a close on your journey where you are today. So, you know, you, you're managing category management and data governance. Yeah. So, you know, for total retail. Mm -hmm. So what does your role entail? Yeah. So this role is more about, I would say, strategy, people, and process are kind of what it boils down to. Um, I've sort of stepped up from influencing at that customer level. My team owns that, and they do great at it. Um, and so I'm here more to guide them. And I focus on things like, do we have the right resources, both in people and in tools? Um, are we focusing on the right customers and the right priorities and kind of guiding the team that way? What training do we need? You know, how is the process working between marketing, us and sales and what could be better? So really advocating for the team um, with leadership and how things um, should flow. So I would say my day to day is spent a lot with like people and process. And then on the data governance side, I manage a budget um, for all of our customer specific data. So as more and more retailers learn to monetize their information, uh, that has become a role uh, somewhat strategic, somewhat tactical on like, are we investing in the right things? Are we getting ROI down to like, what's the PO number I need to, <laughs> I need to bill, get an invoice paid. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a range of different things, but I am loving it. And I would say specifically in this role where I'm doing more like strategy process, the Catman Association is a great resource to me. And I'm involved with some private networking groups and I listen to the webinars and, you know, keeping a pulse on, do we have the right tools. Um, this is a huge resource for me, both in your website and resources, as well as the conference. I, I find a lot of value in that. That's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. Well, you have shared some awesome experience. Your, your journey has obviously hit a number of different aspects of the industry. So thank you for all the detail. So yeah. let's take a breath. Sure. <laughs> and now it's time to come up for air. Finally, coming up for air. All right, so kind of the fun thing. I, I have one I can't wait to ask you. But before I do that, you talked about your husband. You talked about kids. Can yeah. you share a little bit about family? Yeah, so husband and two kiddos, age 16 and 11. 
Uh, we live over in Hudson and, you know, it's a nice little river town and we spend our time really attending kids sporting events. So we have golf, track, hockey and lacrosse in our sort of events that we attend right now. And most weekends you'll find us up at our cabin spending time at the lake uh, or skiing or snowmobiling, big into motorsports. Yeah. So motorsports. <laughs> We, we talked prior to the show, and you actually mentioned you're big into sports, and you've done some pretty cool stuff. So what have you done? There's some, some hidden secret that many people might not know about. Yes. My fun fact I often reference is that I raced motocross growing up um, and did that with my brother and my parents, obviously, and... I was a state champion and made it to the eighth ranked woman in the sport back in the day. So, yeah, it's a little fun fact about me. That's huge. So you had sponsors. Yes, I had yeah. sponsors. And how old were you again? Uh, I started racing when I was 12 and I'll still ride a dirt bike. I mean, I'm not afraid to. I don't race right now. <laughs> what? You don't race anymore? <laughs> for, Come on. For many reasons, but I still enjoy riding dirt bikes for sure. Um, and yeah, so the sponsorship piece is really what led me into marketing as a major in school. So I would talk to my sponsors and like the athlete managers and yeah. say like, how do you get that job? Yeah. When I was in high school, that was intriguing. And so, yeah, I thought I wanted to get into sports marketing and I interned with the Saints and then I quickly realized that was not going to pay the bills. And so enter CPG nice. and I stumbled upon and this has been a great career. I would not change a thing. Nice, nice, nice. All right. Last question for you. And, and this is to help others who are listening. And so obviously you've had many stages in your career. We'll have more to come. Yeah. But if you had any, you know, parting words, any recommendations for people who are listening and who are making these these journey decisions, yeah. um, what would you recommend? Yeah, I would just say be open to take on new experiences, um, whether that be a different business like food service or relocating. I encourage everybody to relocate at least once. If you can swing it, I feel like the learnings you get both personally and professionally from relocation just are not matched with any other experience. So if you can swing it, I say do it. Um, and yeah, just take on different experiences and know that your skills are transferable. I mean, specifically, we know women don't give themselves enough credit for the experience that they have and the transferable skills um, that can be brought forward. So I would say give yourself the credit. You deserve it. Um, and then just remember lattice versus ladder. I know in the industry, a lot of people talk about like your career will not be linear. So don't be afraid to take a lateral in order to make your way up the ladder. Um, yeah, lattice versus ladder. I've never heard that. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, awesome. Well, Tiffany, thank you. It's been fun to talk to you. Great to have you in studio. Yeah. And I uh, look forward to, to seeing what you do in the rest of your career. Uh, you've just listened to another amazing episode of ArtCast. Please look forward to more interesting people just like Tiffany in the weeks to come. Please don't forget to share ArtCast with your colleagues as well. So for feedback, topic, topic suggestions, or guest recommendations, please go to www.catman.global.com slash arcast and all you need to do is go down to the bottom of the page there's a, a little form down there 
It goes directly to me, so I will be able to see that and understand what you're trying to accomplish and then get right back to you. So with that, this is James Jackson and Tiffany signing off, and you've been in the trenches. Thanks.